Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Years ago, whenever I went to college, this is like four or five years ago, whenever I was like 20 years old, and uh, give or take a few years, um, I I rodeoed while at Texas Tech, and... um, I was trying to learn to ride bareback, and I really, really wasn't that great at it because uh, inevitably I would always, uh, instead of laying back and getting your head thrown all around, I'd just kind of D up and hang on with my spurs and ride it like a bull, and I, I could cover, but I didn't get very good points. But the, but the funny thing about that was uh, whenever I was up at Tech, I, yeah, I rode in some amateur shows and a couple of college rodeos and stuff like that, and none of my friends, bar my roommate from Big Lake, none of my friends ever watched me ride. Well, years later and everything, I was working for the prison and I, I, I rode Bronx out there uh, for, for the prison system, uh, gathering inmates and keeping them corralled and everything. And there, a guy contacted me and he said, hey man, I want to put on a rough stock rodeo in Fort Stockton. And he's like, would you mind helping me? I was like, shoot, yeah, I'll help you. And he said, well, you know, I'll, I'll pay your entry fees if you want to enter in return for helping me do all this stuff, the marketing and the promotion and getting people involved, blah, blah, blah. So I said, great. So I entered up in the bareback and the, and the wild mare race. I did not enter up in the bull riding or the saddle bronc. Uh, those, oh, never mind on that. But uh, I, I figured, you know, suitcase handle, if it gets too rank, I'll just let go, you know and everything, but I I was really pumped about this because my family was going to be there, my friends were going to be there, and I I just wanted everybody to see, because I had told them a lot of wild stories and everything about riding uh, bareback, and and nobody had ever seen me do it, and my worst fear was that, you know, he's going to blow my hand right out of the the gate, and I was going to land right there on my butt, you know, and so I'll never forget, we got the draw, and I go and I, I look at my draw and I don't remember, you know, what the number was or anything, but I went to the stock contractor and I was like, hey, what's, you know, C22 or whatever it was, uh, R2D2, I don't know. And um, he said, ooh, I was like, oh, great, you know, I, I, I'm riding the Chupacabra or something like that, you know. And he said, that's that Palomino mare of mine. Now, I, I, I can't give you the exact number because I don't remember, but it was something like, 38 times that she had been out and nobody had covered her yet. Now, granted, this is, this is small time. This wasn't PRCA or anything like that. It was just, you know, small time shows, high school rodeos and stuff like that. But he said, man, that's my best horse. This horse can buck. And I was like, great. That, that, I don't want one that bucks. I want that dink, you know, so that I can ride it out there and then get mad and throw my hat down and not take the re-ride, you know, because pull the hammy or something like that. Yeah. Waiting for, you know, I I wanted something easy and and it wasn't going to happen like that. And boy, when he told me that this horse had never been ridden, I mean, all of a sudden my old stomach just, oh, uh, what did I get myself into? And I mean, friends were coming from near and far. I had bull rider friends and bronc rider friends and and just cowboy friends that were going to be in the wild mare race later on that evening. And all my friends were there. The stands were packed and I was going to throw up. And I remember I was back there behind the chutes and my horse is loaded and, and I got my rigging on there because we're first out in the, in the, in the bareback bronc riding and I'm back there and they're singing the national anthem and I'm back there going, oh, 
I am nervous as all get out. And I remember I took my hat off and I was like, God, if I may be so bold as to ask, please don't let me poop myself. Um, I think you have that power. And God, don't let me make an idiot out of myself. And if I might be so bold as, could you let me ride this horse? <sighs> Amen. And I put my hat on, kind of slapped myself a couple of times because that's what cowboy people, that's what rodeo people do. I don't understand it, but we did it. Pump yourself up, you know, and everything. And so anyway, I get over there and I get slid down because the, the shoot boss is like, come on, man, let's go. Get on, sit, pull them tight. So we're pulling on this side, pulling on this side. I'm getting my hand in there. It's all rosined up and everything. And I twist and I get my bind and I'm kind of sitting there and that old that old Palomina she's just sitting there with her ears pinned back kind of a precursor to Fiona and I'm sitting there and I was on the end shoot there was like three three shoots here and then an alleyway and then three shoots it was a left-hand delivery and I was sitting there and I was like okay okay and all of a sudden one of my buddies Caleb Edwards he crawls over the chute in in front of me because there's an alleyway right there and he said Hey, Biscuits, because that's what they called me was Biscuits. I don't know why. He's like, hey, Biscuits. He said, you going to ride this horse? And I went, yeah, and they opened the gate. <laughs> Most people do not know that your sphincter has the ability to grab a hold and pull you down onto a horse. Doug knows it. He's been there before. Jared knows it. Brooke knows it. And the rest of the story doesn't really matter. <laughs> We're starting a series called Bold Prayer. Bold Prayer. That night, or, you know, it was at nighttime. You know, I, I got down there and I was a little bit scared to ask. You know, a lot of times we, we go to God in prayer and do we have a bold prayer or we, do we have a puny prayer? I mean, I got down on my hands and knees and asked God to help me cover a horse that better cowboys, rodeo cowboys than I had, than I was. I asked him to allow me to do something that had never been done before. It was a bold, bold prayer. And there's another fella that is literally mentioned in like this much of the Bible. And he prayed one of the boldest prayers I've ever heard. And, you know, the Bible doesn't put anything in there that's inconsequential. But this fella's name is Jabez, okay? And in First Chronicles chapter 4, Scoot it in. I mean, if you look at First Chronicles chapter 4, man, all it is is talking about this kind of one of those genealogies. This guy was the son of this guy, was the son of this guy, was the son of this guy, was the son of this guy. It's just kind of going in these genealogies and stuck in the middle of all these genealogies is the prayer of Jabez. And it says this in First Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. That's what it means, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying this, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. And here it is. Think about that for a second. This was his prayer. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. 
You know what? That's a bold prayer. But listen to the next sentence. So God granted him what he requested. You know, I mean, how often do we go to God in prayer and we have these little puny prayer requests? We, we, we're all guilty of it. I've done it. We've got these little puny prayer requests. And when we make these little puny prayer requests, we do it in a punified, if there's your new word for the day, punified, you can use it. Uh, copyright Kevin Weatherby 2014. Um, put a link back to the website or something if you use it. You know, our prayers are like, oh, God, you know, if, if you would, you know, maybe, uh, uh, you know, just these, pu- and you know what, a puny prayer, what's wrong with it is it says more, it reveals more about what we think God is capable of, isn't it? Well, I mean, we do, we, we have these little puny fine prayers, well, God, if you could just, you know, help me out this one time and, you know, I need a Dr. Pepper or, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, but too often we have these little puny prayers and, and right here in First Chronicles chapter 4 verses 9 and 10, the prayer of Jabez is this bold, big prayer, you know, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Is God granting you what you were requesting? And can we learn something from the prayer of Jabez? Now, before we get to the prayer of Jabez, nothing in the Bible is inconsequential. But so often it's so easy to just overlook something and try to get to the meat of it instead of seeing the nugget of wonderful good news that's hidden in the very beginning. In the very beginning in verse 9 it says, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Why, Why did God use the Holy Spirit to put that in there? It can't be inconsequential. He was trying to point something out to us. He said, now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. So I got to thinking, well, what is honorable? I mean, is there, was it a cultural thing? Was, can we learn something from it in today? So I started doing a search for when honorable was used in the Bible. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And it was really funny because honor is used in, oh my gosh, you do a a search for honor in a concordance or something and they're like 42 pages of honor. Honor was very important. You had honor or shame. Now, some honor you were born with. You know, if you were the son of a king, you kind of had a lineage honor that people kind of automatically honored you because of who your dad was or something like that. But there was also an honor in what you do and everything. And you could bring shame or honor. It was a big, big currency back in those days. Second Corinthians chapter 8, 20 and 21 says this. Paul is speaking and he says, we are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. Now, whenever I did a search for honor, there was a bunch, but the actual word honorable isn't used very many times in the entire Bible. But this is one instance where the exact word honorable is used. He says, we are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable 
honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. So what is honorable? How do you, you know, the, the, the first thing that we learn here is we are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way you're handling this generous gift. How are we handling the gifts that God has given us? I mean, are we using them for his glory or are we only using them for ours? Everything that we should do should be for the glory of God. But too often we take the gifts that God has given us and we use them for our own selfish gain. How are we handling the generous gifts that God has given? Now, in, in, re, in regards to this, I'm going to tell you right now that uh, the generous gift that they're talking about is Paul and Titus are taking an offering that they have taken up all over the place and they're taking it back to the Jerusalem church. So this is in regards to money. How are we handling not only the gifts as our talents and everything like that, but how are we handling the gift money that God has given us? Do we use it all to buy ourselves toys and, and to, to, to try to gain some semblance of status or anything like that? It doesn't matter if we're talking about money, talents, or anything like that. How are we using those gifts? To be honorable is this first step that we have to understand is what are we doing with what God has given us? And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that you either think that everything comes from God or nothing comes from God. There is no two ways. And I'm talking about whenever, you know, all the blessings come from God, just like Doug said, I don't think that God reaches down and smites us every time we mess up because that's not the good news. But we must think that every time that we, you know, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Do the, does the food we eat come from God? Are we eating it in honor and in thanksgiving? Is the money that we earn, I mean, most of us, guys, I, I'm telling you right now, George Cisneros down in Guatemala, who's probably watching right now, said it best. He said, we live inside the palace gates. We are awesomely blessed. What are we doing with the generous gifts? Is it honorable? The second part, we, were care we are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. Honorable includes both God and man. Because, you know, I'm sitting there looking at the prayer of Jabez and it says in verse nine, it says, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Well, I wanted to find out what did God say was honorable, which led me to second Corinthians chapter eight. And it says, we were careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. So it's twofold. And you might be thinking, how do you do that right there? Well, I'm telling you that there's a lot of people that just try to be honorable before man. And I tried to, I tried to come up with something that, that where God may not be happy with what somebody does, but, but man just, but just gives honor and everything like that. And the best illustration I could come up with was a politician. I'm not saying every single one of them, but boy, you know, right now, you, all you have to do is turn the stupid TV on and there's all these negative attacks and, you know, rah, 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 rah. they are attempting to be honorable. And if you think, well, I don't do that. Oh, we all do because, you know, if, if somebody that's big comes in, you know, oh, he's a congressman or, oh, he's this or, oh, he's that. And, you know, Seeking honor just before men doesn't mean that you're seeking God's honor. 
And that's the best illustration that I could come up with in that. But on the other time, on the other hand, some people just seek the honor of God at the expense of their honor among men. And one of the greatest illustrations of that was the Pharisees, but not just the Pharisees, the Pharisees, it, were, were like the religious, the real religious people of Jesus's day. And Pharisees, we don't call them that anymore, but today Pharisees are still around because they walk around with their false piety and, and talking about, oh, well, praise God this. And, and you can usually spot one, usually. I'm not saying that everybody, if you do this, then I'm, I'm, I don't know that you do this. I have nobody in mind. But you know, those people that use big fancy church words, all the time. Well, glory be to God in the highest majesty, Elohim, Jesus. Uh, When they talk to you, it's just filled with this stuff. And you're like, what did you say? And they're like, God understood. They didn't even understand what they just said. You know, I mean, and, and then they go around seeking to point out, well, you don't need to be doing this. You need to be more like me. They think that they're honoring God, but they're really not. But they are forsaking their honor among men to try to be honorable with God. But to be honorable with God, you've got to do both of them. Are you honorable? Turn with me to Romans chapter 14. I would encourage you to read all of Romans chapter 14. Maybe not now. Don't get sidetracked with it right now. But when you go home, Romans 14 is one of my favorite Bible chapters that, that's in there. Not to say that they're not all important, but I can really relate to Romans chapter 14 because it talks about uh, division in the church and everything. And in verse 17, Romans 14, 17 through 19, Paul says, through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit says through Paul, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. Do you see that right there? We looked at the prayer of Jabez in the very first of it in his bold prayer. God sought to, uh, thought to include to tell us that now Jabez was more honorable than his brother. So what is honor? We went and we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 where it says we are careful to be honorable before God, but also we want everyone else to see that we are honorable. So don't just try to be honorable before, before God, but also before man. And now Paul is going to tell us exactly how to do that. How do we live honorably in the sight of God and man? It says it right there in verse 18. If you serve Christ, if you serve Christ. But it doesn't just stop there. But first, we, before we understand what it means to serve Christ right there, we have to understand that it says the kingdom... Uh, The kingdom of God isn't about what you do or don't do. See, that was the law. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, granted, James said, show me a faith without works and I'll show you a dead faith. But we are not saved by what we do other than having faith that Jesus Christ was punished on that cross. He took our place and he died so that we might have eternal life. The kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. Now, that doesn't mean that we can go out and do whatever we want to, but it doesn't depend on that. And too often, we are looking for a method and a checklist. Well, I do do this, so I must be righteous, and I don't do this, so I must be holy. Uh Uh-uh, it ain't like that. The kingdom of God isn't about what we eat or drink, but of living a life, here it is, of goodness 
and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Think about that. It is about living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? By serving Christ, living a Christ-like life. Now, show me in the Bible when he caught the woman in adultery, boy, he just beat the snot out of her, didn't he? Kicked her in the head and everything like that because sin is so bad, right? That's what he did? No, it's not. The woman caught in adultery, everybody else wanted to kill her for it. Jesus said, uh-uh. you who is without sin shall cast the first stone. He said, where are all of your uh, condemners? She says, I don't know, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. condemn you. Go and sin no more. Living a Christ-like life. See, Christ saw past our sin, saw the hurt, and healed the wound. And therefore, those people didn't go and sin anymore. What a great testimony of the guy that was blind. Do you think that amazing grace, the end of it, did you know that it was biblical? When he says, I once was blind, but now I see. That's the guy that was healed where Jesus spat in the clay and made, made mud and put it, on his, put it on that guy's eyes. And then he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam or Siloam or I don't care. But you know what that means in Hebrew? The sent one. The sent one. Go wash in me is what he was saying. Go immerse yourself in me. See, serving Christ, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ, now I'm going to drop the bombshell on you. Y'all that's got your Bibles know what it's fixing to say, but y'all that don't, I get to just ninja kick you. If you have uh, broken toes like Sherilyn does, you might want to hold on to them. If you serve Christ, ready? With this attitude. Wow. Maybe we need an attitude adjustment. Did you know that being honorable has to do with your attitude? It doesn't have to do with, with how rich you are or what your status in the community is or what job you are. If you tell a thousand people what to do or a thousand people tells you what to do, you might be a preacher. Um, that was funny. Serving Christ with this attitude. So what does it take to make you feel better or worse that honorable has more to do with? Does it make you feel better or worse that honorable has more to do with your attitude than what you do? or don't do. I was ready to ride that horse. And I had my hand in there and Caleb crawls up over the deal and he's like, hey biscuits, you gonna ride this horse? I was like, yeah. And they opened the gate. And I was like, my attitude might've said a dirty word. (laughs) Pulled myself up and was like, tried to get my mark out. And God paused that horse for just a second so I could slide in there and the gate opened wide. And then she kind of looked and I got my mark out. And she blew out of there, and I, mo- I made, I mean, I laid back, and I was making her ride. Could hear people screaming and hollering. They were screaming my name. <laughs> it might have been me that was screaming. <laughs> I'm not sure. That's the way I remember it, but let's talk about what really happened. <laughs> what really happened is I went, ah! Pulled myself down, got my mark out. She came out and she made about two jumps. I laid back just because I was flopping around. It wasn't anything to do with good bareback riding. And then I did what I always do and I deed up and I locked my spurs in and I covered her. Scored a 51. Woo! Out of 50. No, not really. Not really. I scored a 51 from every judge. There was three of them. Not really. I got dead last in the bronc riding. But I got good news. I did something that nobody else had ever done before. I covered the horse that nobody else had covered. 
I don't have a belt buckle to show my great 51 score, but nobody can ever take away the fact that one time in my life at a rodeo, I covered a horse that had never been ridden. I didn't win anything. There wasn't no fanfare. Actually, there was a lot of laughing because it was like one of the world's sorriest rides, but I stayed on. I stayed on, and whenever it was time to get off on the pickup man, I was like, uh-uh, I ain't waiting on y'all. <laughs> Landed on my feet like Monty Hawkeye Hansen. That's a lie. <laughs> I scorpioned it. <laughs> Got up, dirt in my teeth. <laughs> but I've got good news for you. Not just good news. See, we always got to find the good news with Christ because he says that I have come to proclaim the good news. The good news is this. God wants you to be bold in your prayer so that he can be bold in answering them. Isn't that good news? God wants you to be bold and he wants you to believe that he can do that bold prayer because where is the glory and honor if God gives you a Dr. Pepper? We're getting ready to build a church. And, and, and me and Chris have, have, have you know, we, we've done all of this stuff and all of this stuff. And you know what? I'm saying right now that if these people sitting right here will buy in, believe, that's what I mean by buy in, believe that God can do what he says he's going to do, that we don't have to go and get a loan to build this church down here. We can have a bold prayer and we can say, God, we want to give you the glory and honor because where's the boldness in saying, oh, God is so good. He got us a loan at four and a half percent interest that we're going to pay back over 30 years. Glory be to God. Where's the glory in that? There is none. Everybody around here can go get a loan or everybody but me probably, but Where's the glory and honor in that? Why don't we say, God, you know what? I think that we can buy this land debt-free. I think we can build this church debt-free. I don't think that we can stop right there, but we can go and we can build the boys' home in Guatemala debt-free. I know that we can do this because somebody's going to say, how could a little church in Kiowa, Colorado accomplish all of that? And I said, because God was working mightily in everybody's lives. In Malachi, we talked about tithing, and I'm not going to talk about the tithing part. I'm going to talk about the promise of tithing. I'm telling you right now that if everybody in here would tithe 10% of their gross deal, that God promised that he would open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you would not be able to contain. Now, I'm not talking about the tithing part. I'm talking about what would happen to this community right now. What would happen in your lives right now if God blessed you to the point that you could not contain it? That is a bold prayer. And I am trusting in God that he's going to work in every single one of you's lives. And we are going to, God is going to use us to do amazing things, not for us, but for God's glory. We're going to have testimonies that are powerful. It's going to be an amazing tribute to who God is and his mighty power. A puny prayer request says a lot about what we think God is capable of. God, could you just give us a loan? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I want God to be so glorified that you get a sunburn just getting near Kiowa, Colorado. With a hundred people's faces shining so bright with the love of Christ. 
Serving Christ means goodness, peace, and joy through the power of the Holy Spirit, not ours. Think about that. I want us to be honorable, just like the Bible said in in Chronicles, talking about Jabez. So he was more honorable than all of his brothers. I want us to be honorable. And the way that we're going to do that is by goodness, peace, and joy through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just going to save you a lot of time and me a lot of time. If you would not like so much peace and joy in your life that you cannot contain it, go somewhere else. Seriously, go somewhere else. Go go to one of these other uh, places. The devil's got a hundred of them, and even the church has a few of them that'll make you feel bad about yourself Well, you'll rock around being being, uh, uh, just full of misery all the time. Go to one of those places. But if you want to come here, I want you to be so full of peace and joy that you will not be able to contain it because that's why Jesus died, and that's why Jesus said, I came to give you the good news because it's available to us to be honorable before God and man. It starts with our attitude, serving Christ through the Holy Spirit with a Christ-like attitude, an attitude of goodness, wanting good for ourselves, but also wanting to take that goodness that we've already been given and share it with others and to be at peace no matter how much the storm rages and to be happy. I hate the bad news that some churches preach that if to be a good Christian, you gotta be miserable. That is not the case at all. The prayer of Jabez was a bold prayer. And I want our bold prayer for this church to be that we are never going to stop reaching people with the good news that we are talking about until our last breath on earth is taken or, and I hope it's tomorrow, Jesus Christ comes back on that white horse for us all. That's what I want. That's my prayer. What is your prayer? Is it puny or is it bold? See, I can already tell God's working on a lot of you. And not just y'all here, but y'all that are watching on the internet at the line camps. Leave here today honorable. I don't care what's happened in the past. I don't care about what you might be going through this next week. I want you to leave here today honorably with an attitude of goodness, peace, and joy. And people will be attracted to that and they'll say, what do you have? What are you doing? I used to know you and you were a miserable old cuss. And now I just want to be around you. You've made such a change. What is it? And that's going to be God's throwing that gate wide open to say, tell them about me. Don't tell them about save the cowboy. You can mention save the cowboy if you want, but tell them about Christ. Leave here today, honorable, happy, joyful, forgiven, and oozing the goodness of God, and start your own prayer of Jabez. Start your own bold prayer. Let's go to, huh? There you go. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I just thank you so much for who you are, and the fact that you said that we could go boldly to your throne and make our, our requests. God, our request is that you work so mightily in us that we will not be able to contain it, that we will make changes in, in our communities through your power, not our own. And that God, that you would bless us so much that we will not be able to contain it for your glory and your glory alone. But in that we will find our fulfillment. God, help us to pray bold prayers. And God, if there's somebody out there right now that doesn't know your son or his saving grace or his forgiveness. And they're saying, I want what they are talking about.
thinking about right now. God, I just pray that they come to accept your son as their Lord and Savior. To say, I believe when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. God, I pray right now that those people will let go of themselves and grab a hold of Jesus. God, we thank you in advance for answering our prayers and maybe we, may we live honorably with goodness and peace and joy while going out and telling others of the good news. In your name I pray, amen.